As you know, we're TV Vanguard, and one of the things that we try to do is we're a fan page for Chris, obviously, but we also try to do things that are supportive of the fans, and our whole little motto is by fans for fans. And just like most of Chris's fans, he's been really looking forward to the documentary. We've been waiting on it for a long time. And we just wanted to have an opportunity we might actually do it again to let people who saw the movie um, come back and say what their feelings were, what observations they had, and to just give people a chance to um, kind of decompress after what they saw in the documentary. So kind of have a little bit of a structure only because there's topics we do want to cover that came out of the documentary. And that was based on the poll that we did yesterday. So we do want to make sure we have time to cover that. Um, and each one of us will be responsible for a different topic. So when it comes to the question about trauma and traumatic events affecting Chris, but then also by the same token affecting anyone and how that affects the brain and how stress affects the brain, Nikki's going to be talking about that. Um, one of the things that came out was sexual molestation and um, how boys are treated differently versus girls and how that impacts boys as, as they become men. And we saw, you know, some details that we finally were given from Chris's documentary. We're going to talk about that and Paula's going to handle that. And then one of the things that I think we were all surprised was when Chris said that he wanted to marry Rihanna. And they were like 18 or 19 years old. So that whole topic of teen marriages and, you know, the success rate and, you know, does that generation think that that's something that's realistic? We did a poll on that and we were very surprised at what the poll results were. And I'll be the person that's going to be talking about that. So about TV Vanguard is that we're in three different time zones. And, um... Paula is going to talk about where she was, where she saw the movie. Nikki's going to talk about, you know, where she was, where she saw the movie. And I'll talk about where I was and where I saw the movie. And then we'll stop and then give each person, like April and Sin, anyone who, who else joins in, an opportunity to talk about, you know, where they were, where they saw it. If you choose, but to also give us your views and insights on what you felt about the documentary. So um, I live in California. I live in Southern California. And um, I saw, I was lucky enough to be able to see the special premiere that they had on Tuesday in Los Angeles. And um, it was really nice to see all the support that Chris had from other people, celebrities, his peers. Um, it was also really nice to see that Chris is sitting in the middle of the audience um, with the fans, with his family, with royalty, with joy. And he sat there the whole time and was mingling with all the people in the theater. And um, so that kind of had a different kind of tone to it, um, sort of like a little bit of a celebrity kind of buzz. But I did see the movie on the 8th in Anaheim, and I got a chance to see what, you know, the general public was, was thinking about the movie. And they were very receptive to it. And at the end, everybody was clapping, and a lot of people were standing up, giving him a, an ovation, um, standing ovation. Um, hey. I can hear you. 
Oh, cool. All right, yes. Um, I was in Frisco, Texas when I uh, with my family. I purchased tickets for us to attend it and watch it, and, and it was an amazing experience. I'm in now. I, I don't know how, but somehow I have sound. That's okay, Paula. <laughs> <That's laughs> we'll we'll, we'll circle back around. Don't worry. Um, April's telling us about her experience. She said she was in Frisco, Texas. So tell us some more about, about you know, what you thought, what you felt, and some of the topics. Oh, I was totally shocked at the information that he provided. So was my daughter. Um, my husband, he, you know, we, we had, we, we, of course, we all three got into discussion about it. Um, it was very um, eye-opening um, to find out what actually had happened because I realized during his commentary that, you know, Rihanna had never really said what actually happened. She just kind of. You know, I couldn't believe he'd done that. I couldn't believe, you know, that's a majority of her interviews, what it consisted of. It just really didn't go into details about what actually caused this event to take place. There was no background, no no type of additional feedback. So when I heard, that was my first time hearing what actually took place. So that was very surprising to me. And it also was surprising that they had been previously having those type of, um, you know, physical contact with each other. Um, it, it just was very interesting. I, I, I thought it was very, um, it was very helpful to hear his side of the story. Because to me, it would have been more beneficial for them as a whole to come out with the story together when, when the event happened, that everybody took full responsibility for their part. And that in educating everyone across the board. Bring up a good point because the whole reason there was the movie was because of what happened in the car. And, you know, if it had been, you know, everybody taking ownership, it might have gone a different way. But it was it was good to finally hear the truth of what happened in the car from Christian's perspective. Um, but you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, there's so much in that movie that we could pick apart and say, "Wow, we didn't know this. Wow, we didn't know that." Um, but this is this is the, the main uh, incident that kicked everything off. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up as the first thing that you wanted to talk about here, because everything hinged off of that. Well, I know that from previous relationships when I was that age, that is very common to be in altercations together to be slapping and spitting and, and and doing all this stuff behind the scenes in your relationship with another partner um i remember going through that and doing that with boyfriends in high school so i feel like and i i, I don't doubt for one minute that that still is happening it's equal responsibility there i absolutely you know knew when i was hitting that person or when that person was hitting me it was absolutely wrong in the moment but you're emotional and you're feeling it and you're doing it you're acting mm -hmm. based on a response instead of thinking and mm -hmm. that's just i mean i absolutely have no doubt in my mind that's why i said it would have been educational across the board for both of them to come out and take responsibility and say hey we both were wrong we both should have handled this differently you know we we're in a situation where we're um kids 
trying to have an adult relationship. I and I, I feel, I see that every day. <laughs> I, I was saying, yeah, I, agree, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I, I think that, um, you know, it's already happened between Chris and Rihanna, but one of the things we can do is bring it up for, for people who are young and going through it right now and say, hey, you know, this is unacceptable. You're young and this is unacceptable. And maybe use the fact that Chris brought it up later in his life as a pivot point to help young adults who are going through it right now or might be experiencing, you know, relationships like that. Because like you said, April, when you're young and in an emotional relationship, you don't have maturity yet to know how to handle it. And a lot of people go through, you know, both sides hitting each other just because they're immature. But I think that their their relationship was so they were trying, like you say, trying to be adults. But other people knew this was going on. They knew how they were behaving. Right. But the problem was, even though they were kids, they were bosses, and so you know nobody's going to jeopardize their paycheck by saying, "Okay, y'all shouldn't be doing that." Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, they needed to be checked. But yeah, in, in their position, nobody was going to check them. Who, who would do it? You know. Exactly. Exactly. Even the issue of them drinking—they were drinking at the party. Right. Yeah, that's that's another topic. They were they were drinking at the Clive mm-hmm. Davis party, and they were both underage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why were they served alcohol at an event like that? That actually adds to the problem. And again, and even that we we're doing the same thing. We. And, I remember thinking under the age of 21, oh, yeah. <laughs> being at parties, doing the same thing. Um, it, it is a very, there are a lot of topics he addressed that is very commonly still taking place today. Anybody else wants to contribute? Please say your name so, so I can catch it. I know Paula's voice, but everybody else, please say your name and then <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and talk. Who wanted to say something else about this? Well, I can. Hey, D, it's Nikki. I had it. I had it on mute on accident. So, hi, everybody. <laughs> um, I took my nephew to see it on Thursday, and um, I remember just, you know, kind of just watching, like in awe, wondering, you know, what he was gonna say about different things, and um, when he started to talk, uh, give the background story on what led up to um, the incident, I guess, you know, and him losing her trust, I felt so bad because it was like, this is, you know, so much deeper than just what people thought, Right. you know, because as soon as he said, I didn't know who she would tell, you know, that clearly meant he didn't, you know, he didn't tell her the truth about sleeping with this woman because this was a relationship that shouldn't have happened. And so when he finally does trust her, Rihanna, enough to tell her, then the trust is gone, you know? And it was just like, he couldn't get it back. And I was like, that's that's sad. That um, that was kind of like the demise of um, this inappropriate relationship was the demise of their relationship. And then everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket from there. I can understand your point of view on that. This is the thing about that. This is to me where the maturity level was lacking. This is April speaking. Um, Just like when she was questioning him about 
a previous relationship. Well, see, that's the immaturity of. I don't think she should have been doing that, though. That's yeah. not her right. business. See, when we're kids, <laughs> I remember doing this. So you're seeing her, you're still dating her. What, what did y'all do when y'all were together? That is immaturity. That is what kids mm-hmm. do. They, they don't mm-hmm. want that to be a past before, they're, before mm-hmm. they came on the scene. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of being jealous. It's just a part of that mm-hmm. immaturity. Right. You know, a relationship that is way over your head. Right. But the sad thing about that is because of her immaturity, she couldn't understand that he finally was serious about her and trusted her enough to tell her that information. You know, she didn't. She just looked at it as, well, you lied to me, so the trust is gone. It's no. He didn't know who you would tell. You know, there could have been something serious that happened if you told about him sleeping with this woman he should have never been with. Right. He didn't have the maturity to be like, oh, wow, he trusts me now. He he does love me now. He wants to be serious now because he's sharing this, you know, information with me that has serious consequences. Well, this is the thing, too. Even with that relationship, that wasn't a, I don't care, that wasn't a consensual relationship. No. Um, That was a sexually abuse Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was being pretty much bullied. Um, and I can understand, you know, I, I mean, me and my husband, we sat down and we broke this down because I'm like, I could see a child coming from social economical um, mm-hmm. setting where they're without and mm-hmm. then you have this in front of you being dangled in front of you. This is what mm-hmm. you want. This is what you need to help and get your family to that next mm-hmm. level um, because what you're doing isn't working. You know, what they're doing isn't working. So mm-hmm. here you are with the weight of the world on, on your on your shoulders thinking, this is what I need to do, you know, and whatever comes with that, you know, and probably in his young baby mind, 16 years old, they're still babies. I've been a high school teacher, I know. They yeah. think they know mm-hmm. everything, and they can do everything, you know, but mm-hmm. they're not. They are still young people. Um, yeah. Then we'll go there if you let them, but that's where the woman, that's where you as an adult, male, yeah. or you, you put them in their place, but he was put in a predatorial situation. I agree. But he was being preyed upon mm-hmm. by a full-grown woman. So mm-hmm. with that being said, I, even like the words that Chris used, I was ashamed. Um, I didn't know if I could trust her with this information. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His, his words, you have to listen, victims, sexual abuse, yeah. victims use the exact same words. They hide yeah. that. So that's exactly yeah. what was going on here. So, you know, in this industry, in this music industry, which is terrible, that they're, they're mm-hmm. having to trade things to get to where they're trying to be at in their career. And those are things that they shouldn't have to give up. That integrity, their trust, their love of themselves, that takes a, that takes a lot from someone. I had no clue. Right. Right. I had a clue to the extent of that until I did the research on it. Right. right. There, were you know what? Ball drop. there were a lot of ball drops there. Yeah. And then, too, you have that other piece and that even that woman was aware of, you know, when Chris said he lost his virginity at eight years old to a 14-year-old yes. girl. I mean, that's... So the age difference a, there, that's like, that's, that's a high school freshman. That's a Maybe exactly. eighth grade. So... And, yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's something, um, he, and he's very hypersexualized, but that's something that started very young for him. And that woman is aware of that because she's the one that he 
he said told him not to say to never mention that in interviews of course so as far as when he lost his virginity so you know right so but at the end of the day he didn't even i i can tell from his own innocence him not knowing um Mm -hmm. that he was sexually abused he was being his situation shouldn't have been eight years old that's your baby you shouldn't even be thinking about that but someone put you in that position that's the same thing that happened to antoine fisher but that brings up the issue of the double standard of molestational mm-hmm. boys versus get girls i mean with with boys you know it's looked on it, i actually saw it described uh with it, when a teacher had sex with three boys in the school that she had relationships those aren't relationships You're, she's the adult and right. she's supposed to be that's that's not a relationship but because it's a woman with boys mm-hmm. uh, girls are considered victims in this case but with boys though they i mean they are victims but i'm saying with, with boys then they're considered lucky it's like that's you know that's the perception yeah yeah to yeah. To, to to help keep their ego intact sad yes um and those people should be held to the same standard as any other male um molesting a child you when you're in a power of authority a teacher that's mm-hmm. a power of authority yes yeah so yeah. that is sexual harassment that is yeah. sexual abuse yeah absolutely I don't, think, I don't think any mother yeah i don't think any mother sending their son off to school to get their sexual first sexual experience from a teacher right. i think a lot of mothers would be appalled if that was going on because that's not you, that's not normal absolutely not that would not be okay and because of you know in earlier part of my career i was a teacher and i saw a lot of behavior not on the child's part but on the teacher's part that made me very hyper in hyper sensitive when it came to my children in school i needed to um i just it just helped me realize i need to be more aware of my kids interactions with their teacher and anyone else at the school district i lost that trust being a teacher myself right right and it's and and boundaries too you know i've worked i've worked in schools and um, with with young children and in junior high and you really need to be able to establish firm boundaries with students you know because they will try to flirt with you they will you know and then you have to wonder why do you not know that this is inappropriate that's exactly right how how do you you know what's going on and not to say that there is something going on but you should know that you shouldn't be flirting with an adult or allowing them or allowing them at the end of the day Mm -hmm. those are children they're gonna do whatever they want to do they don't understand that's true understand actions those are children so it is the adult's responsibility to ensure that nothing goes beyond a respectful distance communication you know you have to teach kids that though because they don't know what right right that's that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying because it was taught to me yeah it was taught to me you have to teach that to them that's an educational opportunity or moment and that's the job of the teacher to ensure that you are communicating and teaching it to them at that time that's correct absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of leads to the to one of the other things that we wanted to talk about, which is, you know, the you know, sexual abuse that Chris experienced, the the fighting with Rihanna, and you know, the whole disaster that led to that, you know, emotionally, professionally. Um, one of the things that I hope Nikki's going to cover is how that affects, like each trauma, each one of those incidents does have an effect on the brain. And Nikki, can you kind of just give us an overview of how, how that works? We don't think of a brain being affected like that. So can you tell us how, you know, trauma and stress affects the brain real quickly? Um, well, sure. You know, once you experience a traumatic event, um, it affects three different areas of your brain specifically. And I won't boggle down with the science of it all. However, you know, just to say that, you know, your brain is delicate and it functions a certain way. So each time something traumatic happens to you, you shut down and you don't, you know, you have to find a different way to react to things. So if I'm experiencing trauma, you know, like let's uh, let's say if I was, like you said, sexually assaulted in a certain spot, you know, or in a parking lot, I'm going to avoid going being in parking lots because that's going to trigger that specific experience for me. I may avoid people who look like the person who assaulted me because that's going to trigger that for me. I may avoid certain types of movies, anything that it's going to trigger that, you know, for me. Or I could do something completely different. I could be totally um, nonchalant about things because, well, I don't care. It's not going to change. It's not going to get better. You know, um, I used to talk about with you guys how I felt that Chris had become resentful because he hadn't healed, you know, and he would behave in certain ways because of that trauma because he wasn't at peace with himself. So, when you experience traumatic events, not only does the stress affect you in a certain way, depending on what it is and depending how many times you're living that trauma, it can become very, very, very difficult to move forward, you know, and you can stay, stay really stuck, you know. So, um, there was actually a study done that said that every time someone experiences trauma, it impacts their brain and there have been you know slides and different things where um, they do scans on the brain and the brain actually for people who have been traumatized it works differently like they can see it in scans that it is certain parts of the brain are acting differently than in someone who hasn't experienced that type of trauma and so when you look at someone like Chris who experienced the trauma of his mom being um, abused with experienced sexual abuse, who experienced domestic or dating violence, who experienced um, just the the PTSD from all of that, or even the mental illness that, you know, he hasn't come and spoken about, but they kind of talked about that when he was on probation, the bipolar disorder. It's amazing that he's even where he is because of all these things that he's experienced and all these setbacks. It, it, really, it really is quite amazing that he's able to be where he is because some people aren't, you know? Right. I was thinking about the, also the trauma of seeing someone com- try to commit suicide. He was only seven years mm-hmm. old when 
he, you know, he saw the man shoot himself in the head. I'm like, that's, that's not a small deal. But I know at that time, no. it, probably, it was probably foreign to them to even think of, oh, we need to get some therapy for this little boy. He saw this. Probably everybody needed therapy, but, you well, know, but they don't that's do it. Yeah. And also the piece about how, you know, when he would urinate on himself, that's yeah. huge for trauma. Yeah, when, a, when a child, yeah. Yeah. When a child is being, mm-hmm, it, when you're being, um, experiencing trauma or you don't feel you have control of your life, one of the things that a lot of, and you probably know this too, it, but one of the things that a lot of individuals will do is, is con- try to control, you know, their bowels and their urination. Yes. You know, because because that's one thing they can control, right? Or or um, food, whether or not they eat, because that's something that they have control over. They may not be able to control all the other things in their life, but they can control whether or not they eat. They can control whether or not they go to the restroom. Now, for him, he said that he was just, you know, scared to get out of the bed and go use the bathroom. But a lot of other, you know, studies have been done that will tell you no this is your way of exhibiting control you know because yeah. you can't he, he was too little to control anything else that was going on around him it's frightening it is it really is and the fact that he talked about i am surprised growing up with the fear go ahead um, go ahead I'm yeah yeah him Talking about the fear, growing up with fear, just being so fearful of another individual there in his home. He wasn't even able to mm-hmm. be safe, sound, and secure in his own home. Right. I can't imagine feeling that type of fear in my own home. Um, yeah. Not being able to go to the bathroom because I am so scared of what may happen. I mean, but there are children experiencing that every day. That's why I said, yeah. you know, there's just so many opportunities here, you know, just with him telling his story. Right. Um, yeah. Just really, that's not telling how many people who who can relate to his type of fear and, abu- and an abuse that he suffered and watched his mother mm-hmm. suffer. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just amazing that someone can be that strong and continue on and still still try to rise and still rise um, in their career mm-hmm. and that be their primary yeah. focus determination. It, it's just really yeah. commendable. It is. For me, I, I just hope that, you know, when we do these podcasts and we get people to talk about what, how they felt when they saw what Chris experienced because he was able to, you know, bravely share it with us, that people realize if they see that in their life, that that's not normal, and that just you, you got to get some help for that situation because mm-hmm. it could affect you and, and scar you later. And if you happen to meet up with somebody who has issues just like you, it could lead to disaster. Those yeah. two both were probably quote unquote soulmates for the fact that they had the same upbringing; they were rising stars at the same time, and yeah. were holding on to each other. And then you got someone like a sexual predator, like trying to destroy that because of her own sexual perversion and it's just sad that you know for me this is probably the first time I kind of felt sympathy towards Rihanna when you could hear the pain in her voice and she lost her best friend because she went through the same thing Chris went through yeah. you know top to bottom you know what was going on at home and Chris told her remember Chris said in the movie he said I told her don't be around us anymore. Don't come around us. And he goes, and here she comes up and at the at the Grammys and said, hey, blah, 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 whatever she said to them. And 
He said he was looking at her like, what? And he said she went on about her business, but Chris Porter don't come around here with Rihanna anymore, and here she comes, yeah. Yeah. you know, forcing her way. It's, it's just, who was there to protect him? Who was there to protect Rihanna? Right. Yeah. I do want to speak to the mother aspect. I think that um, this is a thing I've always noticed, and, and I've always said that I, I felt like a lot like my mother. So I did grow up with someone who is um, distancing themselves or being able to get out of situations that aren't beneficial for the family at that time. And there are a lot of women like her out there um, who struggle. I mean, that's why we have so many abused women and abused and volatile situations. I can absolutely relate to that. I can always say, you know, even now, I mean, we just have two different personality my mother and I because um because of her because of things that that she experienced or went through um and I had to go through with her because I'm her child I'm here with her at the end of the day um I'm a lot stronger person because of those experiences that I had um and I have to say that's probably the same deal with Chris he's a lot stronger because he felt like he needed to be her defender her protector Mm-hmm. Right now, I mean, oh, the yeah. whole thing is it comes to what she's there for him now, and yeah. and I, I think so. To me, Chris was, was so strong to be so candid, to be so open about everything, and that right there shows that he's got the healing on his side and he's yeah. got strength on his side. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it to me is just like I've been a fan of Chris since I was in high school. You know, that's when he came out for me, at least. And you see him grow, you see all the things that he went through. And then we, when I saw the documentary and heard the, the details and the horror of some of the stuff that he went through, I didn't, while, he's, while I'm enjoying his music and stuff, I didn't even know what he was going through. And it's amazing, like you said, April, that he was able to survive that, you know, because he's only like one year younger than me. He's the same as my as my oldest, my youngest brother, well, my brother who's closest to me in age. They're the same exact age. And I couldn't see how my brother could have gone through that and survived it if he went through that. And it's amazing that he's been able to get through it. And I just hope that people will look at that documentary and, and look at the whole thing in its entirety, maybe look at it a couple times and realize that his story is very similar to what Michael Jackson was doing when he was being beaten and stuff by his dad and the stuff that he had to go through when he was coming up. There's stories that these people, you see them as superstars and rich and all that, but they, a lot of them come from humble beginnings. And we don't know they didn't just walk into a, like they didn't have a perfect family. That's why they were doing what they were doing to get out of this situation. Right. I thought it was interesting that he, at 18 or 19 wanted to get married you know he wanted to marry Rihanna it's like that's um you just I mean they were so young I was that we did a little poll asking if people thought teen marriage could work I mean they they, they were just babies but I think he wanted that because sometimes when people don't have that normalcy at home they want to create that for themselves you know Rihanna you know her she was in a household they neither one of them came from peaceful homes but I think he want, probably wanted to create something, you know, that he was missing. I, I don't know, but I'm, uh, that's that's my impression. For him to have thought of that, well, as that, that he was so serious about it. 
Yeah, and I think that's you know one of the things that I was surprised about um, was that you don't normally think you know someone Chris's age would be at that age, you know, 18, 19 years old, would want to settle down and get married when both of them are actually sex symbols for their peers. But it seemed like they were just trying to make sure they could solidify their bond because Rihanna didn't think he was serious, but then you know she she found out that he was serious, and that's a big step for for someone to say, hey, I want to get married and, you know, at that age, it's just a surprise. Our poll was a surprise to all of us because, you know, we threw the word soulmate out there and that was the highest um, voted um, response was that, yeah, if you're a soulmate, it makes sense to get married as teenagers. And a lot of people approved of teenage marriages. So I think when we added the numbers up, it was like 66% of the people who voted, we had almost 200 people vote, that they thought that teen marriages could work. Where, you know, mm-hmm. that's the whole discussion is, well, you're not even, in their case, they were even mature enough to not have, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend fight in the car, so how mature right. are they going to be to have a marriage? Not mm-hmm. only just a teen marriage, but they're both superstars dealing with millions of dollars and right. employing a whole group right. of people. Right. And like Paula said, they're bosses. So people are going to bow down and do whatever they want because mm-hmm. they don't want to lose their job. How successful, that's just an, I would think, like I, I have my views of marriage, but I would think marriage is, is stressful. Just being married could be stressful, let alone having a rising Ooh, career. Yeah. 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 You know, people talk about it. For those, marriage is working and takes maturity. And at 18, I just don't think you even have lived long enough to understand what, I, what it takes. You're, what you want how can you possibly provide for someone else mm-hmm. and provide what they need out of a relationship so that is very unrealistic but it depends i think too because those were two damaged people drawn to each other mm-hmm. i think because mm-hmm. of their, their traumatic experiences as children so yeah they are going to cling to anything especially something that's similar to what they've already experienced it's hard to find somebody who can truly understand your traumatic event if they haven't been through it themselves. Right. Well, I think that was number one reason why they were drawn to each other, um, like moth to fire. So I I absolutely can see the the reason why they wound up together. But um, I definitely don't think, especially in Hollywood, that their marriage would have lasted more than five minutes. Right. Um, Because... It's just too much work. You just have way too much responsibilities. Um, and you're still just learning and growing yourself. You need to yeah. let yourself grow and experience different things, different places, different people. You need to do that before you go and become on, you know, take on these responsibilities. Um, and, and they had no clue. That, that to me was, you know, him, like you said, you know, grabbing on to something that he wanted that he never had. Right. Right. They don't even seem to know how to date. Well, you, when you think about it, just like what Christine said, they didn't have the normal <laughs> growing up. Because when you're, no, because he always, he, you know, it's one girlfriend after another instead of just dating a lot of different people. It's, well, but then, but then there's that, there's that underlying mask of not wanting to be alone. Right. You know, and, right. and for some of them, because you, you have to be really comfortable with yourself and comfortable yes. with your own, you know, and a lot of individuals aren't. 
if they've never had to be alone or if they're you know they have their own internal issues they don't want to do that right. and so they'll go from relationship to relationship to relationship just to not be alone and i'm not saying that's specifically what he's doing right but you know there are people that do that you know they want someone with them so that they're not alone right dealing fear, with whatever fear, you know, it is that they need to deal with yeah Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Fear has a lot to do why a lot of people get married because they don't want to wind up alone and they want somebody mm -hmm. to go through it with. But I also and think that pain coming at them at the same time, it just yeah. seems like the yeah. most, the best decision. And not that I'm, I'm not trying to dispute the fact that he loves her. I absolutely believe that you can be in love with someone and, and, and love people, um, mm -hmm. but you're in such a rush to hang on to that feeling yeah. that mm -hmm. you don't stop and take time to let it flourish to let right. you both mature and see you know where is this really gonna go and that's the mm -hmm. thing about dating and getting to know someone you have to take there's time put into that it's not something mm -hmm. you're just showing up to a venue to take some pictures um you know going out to eat you you really are spending time trying to get to know the other person make sure that you are a mess for one another and that just takes time it's just going to take more than six months to, to mm -hmm. see if that's something that's going to go beyond the sexual uh the the fun times and things like that because that's what what's keeping you there right now is the sex and enjoying the great parts of that relationship but then they went from like having this sexual to having you know combat and going back and forth there was no happy medium there mm -mm. you know and they they knew each other for a while they dated i think she said she said a year and a half to two years but they they, didn't, they don't have coping skills either they didn't have coping skills to deal with their issues you know appropriately so that they could have a functioning relationship you know and and they were so kind of obsessed with each other and obsessed with whatever feeling and the toxicity of it all that they, they didn't even take the time to miss each other you guys remember they went on tour together yes they were everywhere together but I, I gotta say something about i gotta say something about that because like terence J in the movie was saying that they were inseparable but here's here's my memory of it because that was like high school and I remember, and this is just shows you immaturity, when, because um, they were like, everybody knew Chris and Yana, and you know, everybody loved Chris. And everybody knew they were a couple, even though they, they weren't admitting to it. They're saying they were friends. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I distinctly remember when we knew that they were like in a serious relationship when, uh, it's like, it's like clear as day to me, when, um, Jordan Sparks was singing No Air on, I think it was... Um, oh, the bracelet. American, American Idol. <laughs> yeah, he took the words out of mouth. Yeah, on America's... Uh, yeah, American Idol. Idol. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. It's like, all of a sudden, Chris gets up there singing, and he's like, she's she's getting all close to him, and Chris is backing up, and she's getting close to him, and Chris is backing up. And with all of a sudden, and I remember me and my brother, we were just screaming, and all of a sudden, Chris raises his hand to start singing, and he's yeah. got that handcuff bracelet on, and we were like, yeah. he got a handcuff bracelet on, right? She had the other half of that bracelet. You know, we knew where it was. We knew Rihanna had the other half on it. Right. So from a young perspective, you don't see that as her, you know, Rihanna being insecure and, you know, 
because again, she was insecure around Jordan Sparks because Jordan had just had a crush on Chris. Right. But as, a, as right. we have been in high school, I'm looking at that thing and they're like, oh, how cute they got handcuffed wearing flip on. That thing, you okay, this one's not the only way to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. I think that I think that, that that's the thing about the maturity part because why does it have to be possessing another person? Yeah, staying mm-hmm. in that relationship. Why does it need to be? That's, about- that's what the, that's young love. That's that obsessive. You can't breathe thing. Mm-hmm. You're right. You have to get past that. But when you see it in the moment and you're in that same, oh, like, I know. Mind, like that's cute they got the like, i want handcuff bracelets okay, my boyfriend wanted handcuff bracelets, you know? cardier right yeah cardier cuff bracelets oh they have cardier cuff bracelets i didn't even it so, didn't even even click to me and you know right but <laughs> yeah yeah you know but then but then too holding on to each other and not wanting anybody to know even though everyone knew but not wanting to own up to it because it's yours you know so I, yeah, but I, I, I got to speak on that real quick too, because cause here's, so for us in that moment, we knew they were dating. Yeah. And they would always ask, Chris, are you in a relationship with Rihanna? And, and he would say, oh, yeah. But <laughs> Rihanna would say, that's my best friend. That's like my brother. That's like my yeah. brother. Yeah, you don't so say thinking, that. Yeah. Right. So we're thinking, when it finally came out that they were dating, we're thinking, wait, Rihanna always just used to say, He's like a brother. He's like my brother. It's sister, you know. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, but just the way they looked at each other, you knew. I mean, you know, you can see people people in love even from a distance. You know, they're in love. It. They were like that. So yeah, that was that was a far fetched story. But I think there was a little influence of Jay Z because remember he was. Remember he and Beyonce. We didn't know that they were. Well, we no, we knew, but we didn't have proof they were together until they actually got married. It was like, yeah. I think that was their influence. I think a little of his influence. Because they, you know, they kind of believed in that, keeping it private. But I've always been rooting for him and Jordan Sparks to get together. I agree. <laughs> I wonder who else on this was rooting for Me. Me. That was me. That was me. Because she was of light. I just conceived that being a perfect yeah. match. And sometimes sisters are better, especially when you've been through bad thing mm-hmm. you need somebody who can keep you in the light right yeah yeah but he uh, well, I, I, I feel the same way well well you know you never know you never know <laughs> you never know but you know one of the things that we wanted i got i have to find this i can post it on our instagram page is that um, we saw posted on, on one of the blog pages we follow that's reputable that Rihanna, through her people, said that she supported Chris's documentary and she yeah. supported him being able to tell his truth. And that's that's something that, as a fan, you want to make sure that the healing on all sides is taking place and that, that you know, with him telling his truth, it's not creating more stress, stress that he has to deal with on, say, Rihanna's side. So it's good to see that of course she had to know about it because he had to get her approval for her voice and her images and all yeah but it was nice to see that publicly agree with that i'm glad that she was great with that coming out as it wasn't something that was unauthorized i'm glad that she supported that and it shows that there is truth behind his story you know it gives it credibility 
credibility. Said in the car, people were saying that during that time, but that mm-hmm. she was portraying herself as being just sitting there and just you know being a victim. So it was nice to see that what we knew from the beginning had been verified, and that she also was basically co-signing it by saying that you know she supported Chris. Stop outside with Christopher Ruiz Brown <laughs> and have Robin, Rihanna, Fenty say, you know what, it was equal, we were young, we were immature. Because people could understand that. I mean, just like you said, April, if you experienced that in young love, teenage love, right, right, it was right. nice. I mean, that would be the final icing on the cake with the, you know, candle well, and she can always. Talk. Yeah, she but she can always do that on her own, on her own terms when she... She has her own documentary. I, I don't feel like the 2020 interview she gave and all those other ones were really her doing, you know, her more along going with the lines of, well, he's done. He's not going to be able to recover from, you know, his felony or whatever. So you need to worry about you. And we're just going to talk about what happened to you. Not anything you've done, but just what happened to you and how, you know, how you feel about what happened to you. And so I think when she ever interviewed, the focus was more or less on, quote unquote, what he did. Right. And not, you know, her talking about herself, but not realizing that you're not going to heal, you know, if you don't handle your own stuff. So hopefully she's at a point, too, where she's she's healed so that when she has, you know, her documentary, whenever that is, she can talk about the things she wants to talk about the way she wants to talk about them. So, right. Like he was able to do. I... I'm very big on loyalty. I agree. Um, so when, and I'm also big on ownership, owning my my crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like for people that don't crap. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm very big on that. Mm-hmm. So when I, it, I struggle with people who don't, mm-hmm. and I do. I, I I have a hard time putting myself in your shoes or walking or having empathy for you. When mm-hmm. we were in this together, we both said we love each other. Um, but when the cameras were on, well, I played a victim. I, yeah, I, can't, I can't with that. Um, you lose me with that. I, I don't care what the backlash would have been. For someone else to take the full fall or something, they take the full blunt of it on their career, their livelihood. Well, you know, we were in this t- together and now I'm in this alone. Right. So for him to even want to continue a relationship yeah. with her, that, that says so much about his spirit and his heart. Yeah. Because so many yeah. people cannot do that. I'm one of those people. I'm one I struggle of with that. <laughs> Here's the thing, the reality situation is that um, at least from from my perspective, we were all on Twitter and Twitter was popping when she did that twenty twenty interview because mm-hmm. Chris mm-hmm. and Chris and Neho and all of them were on Twitter. Oh yeah, they were, they were pissed. Yeah. yeah but, but before they got pissed, though, they were giving us the anticipation that kind of on some of it. And when she didn't, we were all yeah. back on Twitter and we saw Neho and Chris and Joyce Drew. and the DJ DJ Drew. Yeah, saying that they were disappointed because they were given the impression as well that and that was because was that when Joyce did something? No, no, she Joyce. I don't. No, she wasn't on yet. She wasn't on Twitter yet. Yeah, but she wasn't. She wasn't on Twitter yet. So yeah, but see, but but that's what. 
so from from my perspective, just in that real time moment, we were all given the impression that she was being given an opportunity to say whatever she wanted to say, and we were all waiting for her to say it. And then, you know, just by seeing yeah. what Chris's people and Chris were doing, they were all on it for the same same reason like us, and we were disappointed that she didn't own um, her part of well, it. Well, right. And and it's because of the fact it was interesting. Lots of fans were mad at him when they were hearing like clips or you know reading clips of interviews that she had been doing. But after 2020 happened and all because all of his crew and their mutual friends were so upset that had the fans that were mad at him no longer mad at him. Some of the ones that were because they realized so something was left out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was more to the story. The dots weren't connected. I mean, you know what? Actually, Brand was it Brandy? No, Carrie Hilson. Carrie Hilson was yeah. on Twitter, and she said, you know, there's some somewhere in this. Something didn't add up, or Something's it got missing. foggy, but that's okay. Yeah. Something's yeah. missing, but that's okay. But do you know, I remember that. I never forget is when Chris said, "I don't even know who you are right now." He yep. sounded crushed. He did. Oh yeah. my God, that I will never forget that. Yeah. that sounded absolutely. Well, that had devastating. Oh yeah, that would be devastating to know that someone that I'm yeah. absolutely in awe of and love with, right. and I'm. Are you let me take the full file for this uh, incident and you're letting yeah. my career my hard work and determination all of everything that i'm doing my sweat and tears just turn into mm-hmm. nothing because right. you're saving space um and we are going to talk about as many aspects of the documentary as we can because i from what we see from the people who follow us a lot of people have been experiencing different things that Chris experienced, but a lot of people are hearing for the first time the truth of what Chris went through, not just the you know the incident with Rihanna, but all the other things that he went through. So, um, you know, this, this is our first one on the documentary. We're going to have many more. I call us. This yeah. is just one of the many series that we're going to have. But, um, I think we just want to thank everybody. We got a lot of people who sent us uh, tweets saying, you know, what their questions would be. April, you did a fantastic job of giving us mm-hmm. a lot of ideas and a lot of um, background information. Yeah, yeah and, and, and topics to bounce off of too that we can definitely going to add for our future podcast. But I just wanted to say thank you, and um, you know, Paula and, and Nikki. Let me let you guys talk, but I, you know, just for us. This really is important to us, and, and we see, you know, people all over the place, regardless of what age you are, struggle with situations that happen in their past or they're dealing with right now. Maybe their, their sibling or best friend or someone is dealing with some of the things Christmas through. Right. And we just want to kind of open up the discussion because he was brave enough to share his life with us in that documentary and see if he can you know, talk about it and let other people know they're not the only ones going through it and maybe right. have a discussion so that they can air out and know that some of the stuff that's happening to them is not is not necessarily something that they shouldn't try to resolve. Let me turn it over to you and, and uh, to you, Paul, and to you, Nikki. Well, I want to also thank Sin and, and, and uh, April because y'all were so gracious because <laughs> we, yeah, we didn't give you a lot of notice. And you came and came through like gangbusters. You did great. 
You really made it for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm good. let me ask this because I missed, I couldn't hear the beginning. Remember, I had my technical problems. Did we talk about how excited we were when we heard our name in that movie? No, we did not. Oh, oh my God. Uh, that was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was so awesome. I had my phone on airplane mode and I was like, oh my God, I got on my phone. I got my phone back on. I was like, D. He ran off freaking tweet. <laughs> like, I didn't say freaking. I couldn't believe it. It was That's so, so awesome. It was. So I was well, ready what to. About you, what about what did you say okay, so, when you saw so, that? So so when you well, remember you text me, you text me, you was like, oh my god, and I saw it as soon as I got out of the parking lot at the movie theater. Oh. Before I went in, no, it, it came through at like six forty nine my time. So I was like, oh. And I said, yay! And my nephew is like, what's going on? I said, he mentions us! <laughs> so so when we went in and he was reading questions, I was sitting in front, I was, I was, I was waiting, I was waiting, like, what's he going hear? I want to hear, I want to hear. And then he read our question, because I had no idea what the question was. Right. And when he read our question, and I elbowed my nephew, I said, that's us, that's us. <laughs> He's like, I, and he's all smiling. He's like, I see you guys all the time. I was like, oh, I know. Oh, so like, oh my god. <laughs> okay. Yay. Yay. That's great. Yeah. So, so we got Sin on um, chat room, but for Sin and for April, you know, why don't you guys give us some closing words and let us know, you know, what we could do to improve the next podcast. And hopefully, you'll participate in the next podcast. But why don't you tell us? You know, give us some feedback or some thoughts. Some thoughts. Yeah. Well, this is April. I thought this was a really great opportunity to have the conversation. I think that's important. We need to have the conversation and, and, and put out there the opportunity for education. Um, and also, I think it's important too to ensure that we kind of communicate with people that. You know, you can't always judge a book by its cover. You really need to find out what's what's inside the book. What's really mm -hmm. going on? How does the book, how was the big book written? How did it, you know, what was the research put into that? What's the history of the book? You know, everything has something to it. And it's pretty simple-minded to just take information that's coming from the media, information that's coming from every entity without taking the time to research the information. I'm big on research. I'm big on finding out the truth of things. I don't want to just be a sheep and take what's being fed to me. That's not how it works. And if you're in this situation, and, and this is something people should always do, if it were you, how would you want to be judged? You know, exactly. in, so if, you, if you think of it in that perspective, I think that you will be a lot more open-minded to finding out what the truth actually is. And this is a great opportunity to communicate. I'm glad I met you guys. I've been chatting back and forth, going back and forth with you guys. So um, this this is fantastic. And anytime you guys have something going on, I'm going to always support it. Same oh, with Chris. That. I'm Thank you. Thank you. And I'm always supporting um, any of my artists that I follow. I'm going to support them. That's what we have to do. That is what Artie is. Yeah. Supporting mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you for, for your comments. You know, Sin is in the chat room. She said that she wanted to thank us for um, all the input. And she thought it was great. And she said that um, 
she thought we were really nice and that we brought up some really good points that she's thinking about. And and that's the whole thing is that, you know, again, you know, for us TV Vanguard, we're fans of Chris, obviously, but yeah. when we came together and, and created this page, and we've got an Instagram page as well and a website, we were looking specifically for, because at the time when we created this, it was hard to be a fan of Chris's. But that's what the moment of time was where it was really hard to justify being a fan. And we felt like, okay, you know, Chris is a talented person and he's going to have fans, but how? what can we do to support the fans? And that's how we came up with five fans, four fans, because we do all this stuff to support him, but we also sometimes need someone to support us and tell us, hey, you know, you guys are doing great. Hey, here's some resources that maybe you could use in your personal life that that isn't necessarily tied to Chris, but it's something that the fans, you know, we all go through stuff in life. And that's why we wanted to come up with a, a podcast series because we knew Chris was going to be honest, and but we just didn't know how honest he was going to be and how candid he was going to be. I just want to say to, to both of you, to April and Sin, thank you so much for participating. When we did uh, Facebook Live, it's, we always have like all these people who are in the background who watching. you know are watching it and that's great but but we also need people to give us um you know a voice and give us their perspective because mm -hmm. because that's the value of it we don't want it to be where it's just us you know talking we want other people to send questions in and to be engaged in the conversation so we definitely appreciate both of you and um and we, we appreciate you uh, being willing to, to participate in this. And that concludes our podcast for tonight, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you will join us again.